Hello and welcome to episode 223 of the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado, and with me on the line from... I'll do Chicago, Illinois first this time. It's the Godfather, Dave Harbarger. Whoa, who got a pro- guess? Who got a promotion this week? It's me. It's your boy, it's Dave. You, <laughs> I'm back from road trip and all that kind of stuff. What did we do last week? Was it was spoilers. it just me and Stan? You and Stan doing spoilers? Just me? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Just so it was episode two twenty two. Yeah. So just the two of us was perfect. But now there's two two three, and the third person here is from Massachusetts. Devin O'Donnell. I don't know why you put the you put the in the show notes, but oh, I was just like I had to remember. I don't remember how to spell it, so I just typed random. Oh, okay. Characters. Just some random letters. But also, yeah. Devin, you just let everybody know that we don't. All of our bits are scripted. All of this is written. <laughs> our writers are non-union. I'm just kidding. Of course, we would be union people. We broke the strike line. We, We're scabs. We do put the jokes in the notes sometimes. And then when I read them later, I'm like, that joke's not funny. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and then it's even funnier when I realize it's not funny. Well, see, if, if you write a joke, you have somebody else proofread it, right? So then if they, th- right. if they think it sounds bad, then you're just like, okay, we'll just leave that out, you know? Yep. Saves us the trouble of going in and editing it out in the second after we talk about it, you know? Exactly. And that is what my actual job is like. Devin, if you can imagine, <laughs> that's a lot of what it is. Having somebody else look at it and telling me that it's bad. Devin, I feel like it's it's only been a few weeks since you've been on, but with your regular cadence of guesting now, I just feel like it's been so long. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah. Did, you know, Mother's Day was this weekend. I actually did two oh, separate yeah. Mother's Day dinners. We had one with my mom oh. and my grandma, and then one with just me and my mom. So it was, uh, oh, it was that's awesome. Good. Did everything good? Yeah, we had we went to this Italian place, and I had uh, braised short rib ravioli. <sighs> With yeah. Marsala sauce. It was, God, it was so good. <laughs> I, I do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a pescatarian, so I eat the fish, not the meat, but I braised short rib is on my short list of meat products that I do miss fried chicken and like braised, you know, Korean short ribs, things like that. So mm. good. Yeah, I do feel awesome. like there was a minute about 15 years ago where all of a sudden short rib was everywhere. Yes. And I don't know if it was just that I finally became an adult when I realized short rib was an option and I could get it and it would be good. Or if it was just like a trend that took off, but yes, I find myself every time I go to an Italian restaurant now, short rib is the way to make it work. It's the Brussels sprout of meat. It's, it's everywhere. Mm, now. I usually have I short rib that. with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Amazing. And what do we have this week to go with our short rib and Brussels sprouts? Well, we got some weirdness. I mean, it's not that weird. So when I wrote this intro, again, writing the note, the jokes into the script, Devin, I was like, this episode is so strange because we're going to look at Saturday's modern challenge, which was actually kind of weird. But uh, maybe really what we're going to do is it, Moto was messed up this weekend. Am I right, oh, guys? Yeah. What well, a stink. Okay. What so a stink. the weekend, it wasn't too bad, but I had all these plans to play three different decks today. We were going to talk about all of them. And then I get an hour into my stream and somebody in my chat posts a link and they're like, hey, Magic Online's going down in an hour. And I didn't believe them. I thought they were joking. And yeah, they just planned an emergency downtime that lasted, I think, about five hours. So we didn't even get to play those decks today. So. <laughs> Wow. What a pooper. And then, like, we couldn't get cards, right, Shane? Yes. Yeah, I was trying to get some Obnixilis Flample, Flample Dragon. I forget his actual title, official Obnixilis title. Captive uh, Kingpin. I, Captive Kingpin. So, yeah, I, I ended up getting some very late last night. But then, you know, it's late, and I go to bed, and then I wake up, and I go to work. 
and then Magic Online's down anyway. I get home from work. Like I like, you know, I get home as early as possible. I'm like jumping on the computer, opening up Magic Online, and it's like, wow, what the stink? Nope. Not today, Shane. That's right. Not happening. So, I mean, we spent our time diving in to the wild world of challenges, uh, what's happening on Magic Online, the aftermath of aftermath. Yeah. And even, you know, there's all this stuff. People are like, aftermath is a flop. It's terrible. There's not too many cars that we've seen appear from the set so far, but we do have a few to talk about this week. So we're just going to look at those across Pioneer, Modern. And also, honestly, we're not done processing March of the Machine. Not at all. It's Mother's Day. So we're going to do some more mom, (laughs) mom thinking. It's the day after Mother's Day. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. You know, you think we have a lot of mothers in our audience? I'm hoping so. I'll tell you I, that I, the Spotify I, I metrics are not are not are not uh, promising on that particular point. You know, I tr- I try. I hope that we cast as wide a net as possible, but it still is about a competitive card game, yeah. and that does skew in demographics that I'm not super happy with. But it is what it is. You never know. That's right. We got some housekeeping. Let's let's get let's get through that. Um, it should be pretty quick. We have a new patron, Yaron or Jaron O, with a cool line through it. Thank you. Thank you for becoming a citizen of the Dive Down Nation. Oh, with a line through it person. Uh, we have a Patreon out there. If you want to help keep us going, if you want to support us, if you want to get some swag sent your way, you can go to patreon.com slash the dive down. We, we slash I, and Dave, oh, Dave did too. Dave sent the playmats out and, and I also caught spent, up. And also spent months relentlessly bothering you yes well and you i i bothered you to get we had to get new tokens made we had to get new pins made it was a combination of factors uh in terms of mutual bugging to get this moving forward so i sent a bunch of stuff out people have been reporting i've seen some boxes being delivered on the pirate ship you know you know shipping shipping sheet and so a bunch of people should be getting some stuff then we're getting through the international folks as well the new tokens are sick uh i'm and the new pins are great we're going to get some photos of those up soon so people can see kind of the updated swag. But let me tell you, these new tokens, Devin, I don't think we showed them to you. No, so they're pixel I didn't art. See they're pixel art like the Rhino Boys. Okay. And one of them is me as a treasure. So I'm on a crown. With well, you're, a, you're the king I'm a in king, the treasure. I'm a king on a throne <laughs> surrounded by coins. And uh, there's a, a white monkey. We'll call him Ragavan's Ragavan? cousin. I guess but I don't want to call. I don't want to say. I want to say, but uh, you know, it's it's not RIP. And then uh, so that's the treasure token. And then Shane as a construct. I'm, a, I'm piloting the construct. Yes. So Shane is in a like he looks like a Final Fantasy boss. What's, in a, what's the in a sword? Construct. Do I have Caldra? Do I have Caldra? Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, the gingerbread man makes a an appearance. And then finally, Stan of course is on a rhino. Yes, but that in classic stand fashion, exactly. Yeah, as, but, as Stan does. But that rhino has a blood moon rising in the background. Oh, yeah. If you know what I'm saying, yes. so we're doing it. Yeah, they're, they're sweet. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Patreon.com/slash the dive down. We also have a store. If you don't want to do the regular Patreon thing, you can buy some swag over at the divedown.com/slash store. If you play Magic Online, you can use Mana Traders to rent your online cards. The Dive Down 2023 gets you 10 percent off your first two months there. Our buddies over at Barrister and Man, eight, uh, 15% off your first order at Barrister and Man. Shaving soaps, grooming products of all kinds, the Dive Down 2023. 
Uh, and our friends over at Nerd Rage Gaming give you 8% off your order just for being a listener with the code DIVE8. So Dave. Yeah. Let's get into this episode. That's right. Let's do it. We've got a few. I th- what we thought we'd start with first is you know, we have Devin here. Devin plays a lot of magic, and I thought it would be fun. Devin's waving. You, the listeners at home cannot see this. The YouTubers can. But though. we, yeah, YouTube, yeah, YouTubers can. So, Devin, first off, I think you were saying you've you've been playing some Pioneer. Mm-hmm. What have you been into lately? The one that I have been enjoying the most would be the Boros deck. Let me see if we can find it. Yeah, the yeah you have Ooh, already the Boros, Boros tokens. tokens Gleeful deck. So, this is actually a deck that kind of. Kind of wasn't was conceptualized from a Spike deck. So Spike was actually mm-hmm. playing this in Modern with Knight Errant of Eos, and what he did is he took like you know he had Memnite Ornithopter paired that with the eight copies of Kaldotha Rebirth because Rebirth and then plus Gleeful Demolition itself, and then pairing all that stuff with the Convoke cards. And I was looking at the deck list and I figured most of it was going to be, most of it was Pioneer Legal anyways. You know, unfortunately we don't have access to Memnite and we don't have access to Kaldotha Rebirth. But what you do have is you have the same course. You have Ornithopter, Thraven Inspector, and Voldaren Epicure, which turn on Gleeful to make tokens. You're powering out the Convoke cards with those tokens. We have four Venerated Luxodon, four Knight Errants of Eos. And then you have like this Reckless Bushwhacker package with Burning Tree Emissary, Bushwhacker itself, and then, you know, Legion Loyalist to kind of help push through some damage. I've been really impressed with this deck. I've had, you know, I posted a 5 on Twitter, had a couple 4-1s with it. There was a prelim, somebody, I think 3-1 or 4 a prelim with it, somebody 5 would league with it so i've been i've been loving this deck okay so i already forgot what knight Aaron of eos does and so i pulled it up and so this is the four and a white convoke four four human knight mm-hmm. when it e- when it etbs you look at the top six cards of your library you reveal up to two creature cards with mana value x or less from among them or x is the number of creatures that convoked knight Aaron of eos put the reveal cards in your hand then shuffle so for example let, let's say you use four creatures to convoke it right Mm -hmm. then you look at the top six cards and each of the creature cards can be mana value four or less not a combined mana value right right? oh that's pretty good yeah so you look at top six and then you get you know two creatures with four or less or ideally you want to get to five most of the time so you can hit the other convoke cards but yeah i mean Mm. there are some spots where you're really just looking for a bushwhacker and then you can just do it for three because you're always looking at six deep that's the nice part it's like even if you only tap one creature you're still looking at six cards so you know it's it's really flexible in that regard and then you have like the luxodons to help push a lot of damage and, and get you past you know get get through those final points of damage too so it's been good yeah so what's it end up looking like typically like are you just try, are you trying to maximize the knight errants and the venerated loxodons are you just kind of like hey whatever whatever fits this board state i'm happy with yeah i mean essentially any hand with gleeful and ornithopter those like those are the cards you want to see in your opening hand combine the most those are the, the most explosive starts where you can say go like turn one ornithopter gleeful it make three goblins and then turn two you have three creatures plus two lands that's already five mana to play a convoke card so if any let's maybe you play like another one drop and then you have four creatures in a land you can still cast the convoke card but even without those draws you can still go like you know three bit inspector on one maybe like we have there's also forbidden friendship i, I forgot to mention this card but this is oh, yeah. uh, red nicola sorcery make a one one red haste creature and a one one white soldier token the important part about that is it makes a white creature so you don't have a ton of 
actual white creatures besides Thraben Inspector to crew or excuse me to convoke the lux the the convoke cards out. So making a white creature off of Forbidden Friendship is very important because you have a high density of red creatures, but not as many white creatures. So that's important as well. So you're you're not relying entirely on your mana to do the white pip of your convoke creatures. You really do want to use the creatures themselves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Thraben okay. Inspector and, and Friendship help that out a lot. I just want to be playing Hordling Outburst in this deck <laughs> because it, it takes me back. I just I want much. I want three goblins for three mana. That's that's below rate these days, my friend. <sighs> Too I expensive. Feel like, I feel like Ornithopter plus Gleeful Demolition is like build your own Hordling Outburst, but yeah, it does in fact only cost one red mana that way. Mm-hmm. So Devin, is this deck just? super aggro is that what it feels like or are you or is it okay that's that's what it's about explosive starts it's not it's not about i mean even maximizing the convoke cards or to five drops and are like a little i mean knight errant is a little grindy right it gets you more cards venerate loxodon is just kind of big right and makes your creatures big that's kind of what it feels like it's just like oh my god turn three i have 20 power on the board or something like that Right, you could imagine a draw that's like turn one Ornithopter Gleeful, three one ones. And then even if you don't have any other creature, you just go land two mana plus the three tokens make Luxodon. That's ten power on turn two. Like right. <laughs> a lot of de- if you're on the play, there's not a lot of decks that can beat that kind of start. I found myself frequently sideboarding out some copies of the Ranger, the Knight Errants in the faster matchups because a lot of the times you don't want to use the conv- like you don't want to use your creatures that would normally be dealing damage to draw more cards because you need to be faster in those matchups. But right. lo- you can afford to do it with Luxodon because you're putting more power in place. So you're kind of getting that damage back. But yeah, it's just like you, you just want to go as fast as possible with this deck. So what do you think this is good against then? So it's good against Mono Green. I'm assuming- assuming because of the speed or how's that working out? Yeah. So this deck has a really fast goldfish. So I've been pretty happy with the modern green matchup, the Lotus field matchup, just anything that you're trying to race, even grease Fang. One nice thing about grease Fang is loyalist. The ability makes it so tokens can't block. So their four, four angels won't be able to block if you have loyalist. As a side note, what's going on with green these days? Like I, my understanding is that green is back in a big way. I don't mean to interrupt this, but I feel like if we're talking about pioneer, we should be talking about maybe the resurgence of green for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Is it really all just like Pelucranos and like how well Pelucranos can shore up, uh, especially the, like the Grease Fang matchup and I guess maybe like Spirits and other Flyers? Like what's going on here? Well, it's actually funny because if you look at some of the results, like just the average result over the past couple of weeks based on like challenge top eights and stuff like that, Rakdos is far and away the most played deck. I think the challenge this week, and I think there was like, I think there were 14 copies out of 32, so almost 50%. Good Lord. Yeah, Rakdos is, is everywhere. There's still a bunch of green, and I think part of the reason that green is has such a big resurgence lately is it's structurally like decent against Rakdos. It has a lot, like it has a lot of permanents that are harder for Rakdos to answer. Like you can't trade one for one with a lot of greens cards and that's what Rakdos wants to do. So I think the reason, the reason for green being so, you know, dominant or or more like more people are playing green lately is because of that resurgence of Rakdos. That makes sense. So you think the speed here is still good enough to beat the current iterations of, of green? Yes, like I think you, I think this deck is really favored against anything that you want to race. So Grease Fang, Green, Lotus Field, stuff like that. I have been struggling against Rakdos. I actually played this in the challenge. Hmm. Uh, I lost to Rakdos three times. Those were, I went 0-3 drop and I lost to Rakdos all three times. And oh, I need no. to f- figure out how to fix that matchup. But, you know, if 
And that's kind of tough because Rectus is the most played deck. But, you know, we could try some different stuff and, and maybe there are avenues to approach that. Like I, I've been I have winning announcements in the sideboard, but I haven't actually been happy with them against Rakdos because this is only an 18 land deck and actually getting to three mana is kind of tricky sometimes. All right, Devin. So this is an awesome deck to see. I love seeing this brew pop up on Twitter the over the at the end of the week last week and over the weekend. I was like, whoa. What is what is Devin doing? What are what are all these things? It's really too bad that there isn't another bushwhacker style kind of effect in this, but I guess Loxodon is essentially that and it's permanent, right? Yeah, th- that's like the weird thing about this compared to the modern version is you're you have four like the modern version gets to play eight zeros, eight bushwhackers, and eight uh, gleefuls, and this deck gets you know basically loses one of each of those, so it's you cut that down in half. But I think you know the the power level of Pioneer is significantly lower than the power level of Modern, so it's kind of mm-hmm. scaling in that regard. And I, th- I think this has what it competes as as long as we can figure out the Rakdos matchup. This is this is definitely a contender, I think. That's Sweet. awesome. Looks great. All right. Where do we want to go next in Pioneer? Do we want to talk about the card that is bizarrely spiking on Magic Online right now because of lack of availability? Or do we want to go somewhere a little bit different? You're talking, you're referring to the Kingpin himself? I am referring to the Kingpin himself. We can, we can go to the Kingpin. Shane, yeah, you want to talk about your Kingpin? <laughs> sure. I mean, I'll just remind people what this thing does. It's the two black and a red... Obnixilis creature version. He's a flying trampled demon. And whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a 1-1 counter on Ob, exile the top card of your library until your next end step, you may play that card. So you just have to read this a little bit more carefully. It's a four, it's a 4-3, by the way. And so like you look at this and you're like, okay, well, I, you know, if I make my opponent lose life, then like I'll get like a card and get to play it. But it's like each time whenever one or more of your opponents each lose exactly one life, you know, we play 60 card constructed here. So when your opponent loses exactly one life, so we talked about this last week and there are, there's one deck in particular that's really good at making your opponent lose exactly one life. And it's Racto sacrifice. It's got a lot of ways to do that. So yeah, we have uh, cauldron familiar in this particular list that we're looking at. I believe this was the, I think this was a pi- I think this was a league five Oh or a prelim four Oh. This is a um, prelim four Oh by Chi 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 that we're looking at. I found two events as of Saturday. So one is a prelim four Oh by Chi 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 and a prelim three one by shadows 2005, which send my soul to God. If this person was born in 2005 and is already on magic online, but I guess, uh, you know, I'll be at the old folks home. It's only 18 Dave, by the way. <laughs> I know. That's, I think, that's I think they're a zoomer. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are the lists that we're looking at right now. Yeah. So this particular deck list that we have, you have to, in order to trigger the obnix list, you have cauldron familiar, which your opponent loses a life, but they're an epicure, which is deal one damage to your opponent. And then obviously the mayhem devil, which is the big one here. So you have essentially 12 ways to turn on obnix list. And in the case of cauldron familiar and mayhem devil, you don't even have to spend mana on it. Basically, if you have a, you know, a familiar in an oven and you play an obnix list, you can sack the familiar, sacrifice the food, get back the familiar, triggers the obnix list. And then if you also have mayhem devil in all of that, you can basically trigger it like four or five times yeah. in a single turn. And that's super, super powerful. And the fact that it has flying and trample, it's really yeah. hard to block that yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a finisher. It's a real finisher. You know what this card reminds me of? I think this is going to make you laugh, Shane. This is the best butcher of the horde ever. <laughs> That's what this card reminds me of when I look at it. I was like, this is Butcher of the Horde. I mean, it just, it's not its own sack outlet, but it does the thing that you wanted to do in those old Mardu decks, just, you know, when you work around it. And yeah, a, a giant flying trample creature that lets you 
play extra cards is like, wow. Okay. Yeah. The, the card advantage potential here is, is really extreme. Like I, I do have a few, Devin, how many games or matches leagues of this did you get in? So on Friday, I was able to acquire three copies cause I borrowed them from a friend of the stream. So I played yeah. one league on Friday and then funny enough, actually today, which we didn't, cause we didn't get to some of the decks that I wanted to, uh, we ended up booting up arena and I had all the cards for this. So we played, I think we played like five matches on arena. So I want to say I'm about 10 matches Same. in now. The one thing that I will say, Opnixilis, super powerful card. When you, you know, when you when you're doing the thing, you play it with a Cadden oven or a Mayhem Devil and some treasures, it's awesome. The one, you know, talking about the deck's strengths and weaknesses, Racto Sacrifice, deck that wants to generate a lot of value in these like kind of incremental card advantage type ways. Very, yeah. very good against the other mid-range decks, very bad against Grease Fang, uh, maybe not Grease Fang, but Mono Green, Lotus Field, decks that want to like, that aren't interacting, that try to go faster. Obnixilis being a four drop that doesn't immediately like, it doesn't, it doesn't have haste or anything like that, doesn't really help you in your bad matchup. So my kind of assessment is it's only good against the decks that you should already be good against. And therefore, yeah. I think it might be more of a sideboard card or like one copy in the main deck type thing. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was playing in the, the few like matches I got in before I had to go to bed last night, which was like, you know, I'm already doing the thing. Like when I'm when I'm set up in that fashion, like if I have a mayhem devil, if I'm even doing Cadova and stuff, if I'm you know churning through my deck with like deadly disputes and you know claiming the firstborn and all that kind of good stuff, and like my deck is already winning in a lot of ways and i feel like obnix really is i'm not going to call it a win more but it definitely is like sort of the cherry on top and i I don't know like like you said is like how essential is it to the core of the strategy it's a you know the same reason that i think not everyone's running like corvald the fake cursed king everyone's not pushing into jund for that kind of finisher is because it's not really essential to get into to that. And I, I'm, I'm curious how Ob's going to feel in terms of its essential nature. Well, and here's my follow-up because a lot of times, Shane, you always go, well, what are people playing it over? And here's yeah. what it looked like to me from looking at these couple of lists is that people are playing Thoughtseize in the sideboard. Was that a main deck card in Rexac before? Because I feel like it was when I f- looked before Aftermath came out. I think it was in the main deck. But Devin, what card is Obnixilis replacing when you think about this shell? It's mostly replacing the flex spot. So at least when I played Rakdosak, which was a few months a few months ago, I was playing a lot of it, like in practice for RCQs and stuff like that. The thought teases were mostly in the sideboard, but what it's replacing is like the one Croxa, the one copy of Village Rights, the one copy mm. of like you know extra copy of Eden Alive. These one of flex spots. So it's mostly just taking up those you know one of uh, spots that might be dedicated for other things. And also, I think the Obnixilis list, most of them are on twenty three. I, I believe oh, sixteen twenty. Now this one's only on twenty two. I think right. Yeah, this one's on Lance. 22. Because yes. I remember Todd Tandy, Todd Anderson posted on Twitter, he tried, I think, three obs and 23 lands, which when you're adding a four drop kind of makes sense to add a land to. Yeah, I feel like this deck does have good, pretty good ways to find lands, like with Deadly Dispute and Blood Tokens, if you're using them to like turn through your deck and Fable of the Mirror Breaker doing some cycling. But yeah, I can definitely see the argument for going into more lands because, you know, the, the flex spots in this deck to me felt like, you know, do I want more removal? Like what kind of removal do I want? Do I want like the an- annihilating glare, I believe it's called, right? Where it's like the sacrifice, kill a planeswalker or a creature thing. And I 
I found myself up against some particularly powerful creatures that get played a lot in this format, like Shieldred. And it's like, unless I'm, you know, sandbagging my fatal pushes uh, or glares for Shieldred and Shieldred only, like I have four pieces of main deck removal. Uh, if you're not counting like the, the blood tithe harvesters, like sacrificing themselves and stuff like that. But it's, you know, it can be a little bit bumpy if you're up against like certain types of opposing decks where you're like, well, am I really holding the ground unless I have like witch oven, excuse me, a cat oven to be blocking and sacking and all that kind of good stuff. So I felt like, you know, I think Dave's getting an interesting point, which is like, what am I removing for this? And that could be bad. Like you could be removing things that you want to have access to. And I guess that's what sideboards are for, I suppose, but I don't know. Like I'm, I'm into it, but like, I'm also just kind of, like I said, is I'm, I'm not immediately sold about this is the new way to build this deck. But I also think this deck is, is not such a tier one thing that it doesn't have a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. I think the Corvold comparison is basically perfect because people, you know, when, when, uh, when Recto sacrifice, like people were trying different versions of Jund and stuff, a lot of people were playing Corvold, but then people, the format started to get faster and the format sped up and there's a lot of like non-interactive decks and people realize that you can't do that kind of stuff against the Lotus field and, and this kind of stuff. And Obnixilis feels, while it's more powerful than Corvold, it feels like it's in that same spot where it's four mana value type card. You need to untap with it. Yada, yada so good card but i don't think it's helping the matchups that you need help in do you think that there are other ways that this card could like be doing something better like i have a really hard time imagining where you would get more single life loss triggers from your opponent to take advantage of it but like do you think like it doesn't belong in this particular shell and maybe there's something that's more all in on it well, it's funny you asked that, Shane. I, we didn't put this in the notes, but somebody in, uh, I don't know if it was somebody in Spike's chat brought this up, but this actually goes infinite with All Will Be One. You know, mm. you remember that enchantment? The one that combos oh, yeah. with the uh, quest? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a pioneer legal combo that you can play both of those. Now, you need a way to turn it on, and you would still probably end up playing like Witches of and Cauldron Familiar. But you, I think what you would do is you would also play Oni Cult Anvil because that enables the combo for one or zero mana. You can just basically like play the Obnix, play the All Will Be One, and then try to go off from there. You want to you want ways to immediately set up the kill the turn that you play the All Will Be One. I don't know, again... It's five mana enchantment, not the best stuff that you want to be doing against the fast decks. But the nice thing about it is it does end the game on the spot, you know, whereas Obnixilis might need like a, you know, turn or two to attack with it. You play all be one and you have an Obnix in play. They're just dead right there. So that could be something as well. That card, I have a feeling that we're going to be saying that card's name for years in situations like this where it's like <laughs> it's five mana but it goes infinite with it like because there's even a standard combo i remember that frank karsten sh shared with everybody when that card was spoiled and like yeah i just think we're going to be looking out for splinter splinter twin situations with all will be one for a long long time because of the way that is written um, cool all right, card. but maybe Obnixilis Captive King to pin, not worth the 100 ticket price that it is zooming towards what? as Magic Online tries to work out its problems with inventory. <laughs> it, was like, it was like 23 yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's going all over the place. Looks like it's at about 35 right now. But you, you know what? Yeah. There is another card, maybe not quite, you know, worth quite as many tickets, but because it's only an uncommon, but there is a card that I, I really do think is going to make a, a huge shakeup in Pioneer once people start getting their really? hands on them. And that is Copper Coat Vanguard. Okay. So, so for the believer, listeners, Devin. oh, I'm, I'm a believer of this card. I played two leagues with this white deck oh, today. Oh, this one, yes, this is cool. God, that this Copper Coat Vanguard is absolutely sick. So Stan um, was right. 
<laughs> yeah, I, Stan's always right, right? You know. I, I also think we're going to be surprised. We're going to talk about Copper Coat Vanguard in modern, too. Mm. It showed up in a lot of places. But anyway, not to scoop us. Yeah. So for, for the listeners who don't know, this is uh, Colorless and a White for a 2-2. That gives all of your other humans, it's a human itself, but it gives all of your other humans plus one, plus zero, and ward one. So basically, this is, it's essentially like a split card or a, a meld, I guess, if you will, of Thalia's Lieutenant plus actual Thalia, just kind of stapled onto one card because, you know, you get the taxing effect plus you also get the Lord effect. But it's just like the fact that you get both of those on one card on a two drop, it's, it just does so much. And it, like in combination with Thalia, like if you curve Thalia into Copper Coat, they now have to spend like three or four mana to cast their removal spell. Like what are, what are they even supposed to do about that yeah absolutely i mean it, it seems like a really strong lord on it on its face i mean it reminds me a little bit of like cura great glass spinner too or something like that where it's like okay whatever removal spell i use i have to use to kill the, the vanguard which is going to keep you from killing all my other creatures and i, I don't want to get too deep into it and other things with of, uh, things in modern that have multiple targets <laughs> per spell that are aligned with human emotions but yeah this <laughs> card <laughs> yeah fury <laughs> Fury. Um, but so what are they playing? What do they cut from these lists? So we're looking at a mono white humans list from the challenge by my, my 13. Uh, what is on the bubble now for mono white humans? Now that copper coat Vanguard is here. So from this particular list, it looks like they have decided to, was that trimming on copies of Luminar Casperin? Okay, so we got four Bodyguard. I think that's two Giant Killer, two Aspirin, four Hopeful, four Copper Coat, four Lieutenant, four Thalia, four Brutal, three Officer, three Adeline, two Knight Errant, two Brave. So they've cut down on, they've trimmed on Luminar Casperin. They've cut mm -hmm. the main deck ossifications. It looks like they's, they've also shaved an Officer and a third Brave to make room for Vanguards and some extra one drops of the Giant Killers. I've also seen lists that have cut Brutal Cathar entirely from the main deck, swap that for Vanguard and just put the Vanguard or put the uh, Brutal Cathars in the sideboard, which I actually think I like that better because Brutal Cathar is not that great against Rakdos anyways, given the fact that they have Stomp. Mm -hmm. I think we're also overlooking, it looks like Knight Errant of Eos is also in these decks now, just kind of like stock, a couple, two or three of yeah, and you know, with the rise in Rakdos, that makes a lot of sense, right? If you you know you get into a spot where you have like two or three creatures in play, if they kill your first couple, and then they end up playing a Shieldred, your two or three creatures can't attack past that. So being able to utilize those to then cast a Knight Errant to help find more gas to like help overcome the Shieldred is really nice as well. Yeah, and then there's also some people trying out black white humans now, which is you know I think there's a, a strong core in Pioneer of that, but the cards that they're adding are things like Blood Soak Blood Champion. Soak Champion. I know. I love this card. Memories, right, Shane? Blood, Bloodsoak Champion. We have General Kudro of Dranith, and then we also have Arena Dauntless General from the new set. And if you forgot what Arena does, or G not Jirina, Jirina, not Jirina, Jirina, right? I don't even know Jirina. how to pronounce that still. Jir yeah, I don't know. East Coast, Midwest, we're always going to pronounce those those kinds of words differently because yeah. <laughs> we're at different, different syllable emph emphasis. Um, so this card Shane and Stan talked about last week, and 
it says it's a two-two for a black and a white, and it says when Jarena Dauntless General enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard, sacrifice Jarena. Humans you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. So it's more buffing kind of and more protection for your cards, but also giving you a little bit of that kind of exile clause as well. So it's kind of like your self selfless spirit plus a graveyard exile on a creature, which I think is just good utility. And if you're going to go this way, presumably to be able to play get General Kudro to play Dire tactics is just an, an all kind of removal spell the one thing that I, I really like about this deck as well is you mentioned dire tactics like if you look at the traditional mono white decks they have to get to a card like ossification to kill a shieldred and this is just like a much cleaner card it's instant speed uh so i really like that as well and then general kudro people forget that that has that additional line of text that just blows up creatures another answer to shieldred and just like yeah, so oh, yeah. I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves is, is the juice worth the squeeze and the black splash? Because you do sacrifice a little bit with the mana base. You have to play, you know, some lands that might come into play tap sometimes, like the classic turn for Concealed Courtyard. But overall, you know, I'll have to try a little bit of both to see which one I like better. But Copper Coat Vanguard has been uh, has been an absolute house in the two leagues that I played. I played the model white version, but it's it's been great. Fascinating. So, so quick question here. Is it kind of like doing double duty where it's like sort of like a Thalia's lieutenant and sort of like a Thalia guardian of Thraben. And then, you know, like how, how, how convincing is this as like maybe even more useful than like the was unsettled Mariner for modern horizons? Or is it just because like, this is like an unsettled Mar Mariner for pioneer. And that's like a good power level card for pioneer that we just don't have access to. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I wouldn't necessarily go that the fact that it's better than Mariner. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's just that Pioneer hasn't really had access to that type of card before. Uh, and the fact that it's like, you know, the the Lord, the Lord plus taxing aspect, you know, you wouldn't necessarily play two mana two two for one of those. Like if it was two mana two two gave your stuff word one or two yeah. mana two two gave your stuff plus one plus oh, you wouldn't necessarily play either one of those cards. But the fact that you're paying for both is just awesome. It gives you it gives you some more like more flexibility and stuff like that. I love it. It's just super main deckable, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you don't need the ward all the time and you don't, I mean, you always want power, but it's like, like you said, it seems like it's just, it does enough for two mana. Yep. Awesome. All right. Let's talk about a couple of last things from Pioneer. One is, I know we don't have a lot to say about this, so I'm just going to mention it. <laughs> Claudio won the, the challenge on Sunday with Niv to light. For the first time in a while, we've seen a result with that deck, which is pretty interesting. So check that out. It also had one of the new Niv-Mizzet in it, which is called Niv-Mizzet Supreme. I will refer to my previous statement that I'm trying to find, but I uh, I think I said something along the lines of Claudio can win with anything, so we don't have to look too much into it. But uh, yeah, right. shout outs to Claudio. They're great. Yeah. Yeah, Claudio, always interesting. Very, very committed pioneer player as well. But Niv maybe dust it off if you love it. But like Devin said, Claudio can win with anything. So good luck. One, one quick thing I will mention, he did have a copy of Niv-Mizzet Supreme in the deck. I don't right. know if that card's actually good or if he just wanted to try it out for fun <laughs> because he loves trying these like weird one-ofs with Bring the Light. Uh, no idea if the card's actually good. I still don't, I still haven't even actually read it, but it, uh, it has Niv in the name. So you got to, you know, Niv Tribal. Well, I will do a minor spoiler and say it does appear in the top 32 of Sunday's Modern Challenge in a Bring to Light deck as well. So. It does. Spoilers. And here's, and here's what it does, for what it's worth. It's a 5-5 five five legendary creature, dragon avatar. I don't need to tell you the casting costs for these later Niv-Mizzets. I'll just say they're no longer just red and blue. And it has flying, hexproof, from monocolored, 
And it says each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard that's exactly two colors has jumpstart. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's actually sick because you have a lot of different two-color stuff with that you get off Bring to Light and Niv. So that card right. actually might be really good. And it's kind of hard to kill sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. It's a one-of. It's a spicy one-of maybe. Gets you a little extra card advantage, essentially. But it was cool to see that happen. And then the last deck that we had talked about with Devin about adding to this episode is a list from Mason Clark that is Soul Flare Neoform. Uh, three cards that I are three words that I probably hate the most in Magic. These are some <laughs> of my least favorite cards in Magic. And when you pair it up with Atraxa Grand Unifier as well, you are really not speaking my language anymore. But here's what's in the deck. There is one card in here that I am not super familiar with that is what is this? Urborg? Scavengers? I'll read it. Scavengers. Yeah, please read it for us now. All right. I, I remember this offhand. So it's a three mana 2-2. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you exile target card from a graveyard and put a counter on it. And the second line of text has, it has all abilities of whatever that card has. So flying, first strike, trample, lifelink, go down the list. The really nice thing about Scavengers is the first line of text says exile target card from a graveyard, then put a counter on it. So you don't have to exile a creature. It's just any single card. You could exile a card from your, I, th I think it's, a, I, don't, I can't remember if it's only your graveyard. I think it hits theirs too. But the point is you don't have to hit creatures with it for it to get pumped, which is massive because you have like extra lands from milling over with salvage. But the joke here is you're trying to mill over a card called Zatalpa Primal Dawn, and which is, I, I yeah. don't remember the stats. I know it's six dub dub. I think it's a four eight. Is that right? I think We're it's a four right eight. Now. Okay. But One I know second. it has everything. It has every ability. So indestructible flying, double strike, double strike vigilance, vigilance, trample. trample, I think. Yes. It is a four so, eight four six white, white elder dinosaur. Shane and I, narrowly lost a team oh, a team <laughs> oh, gp no. day two winning in when our third player so i lost this last round shane won the last round and uh our third player way was on a like random pile dinosaur deck that way had zatalpa in it and he was making it work and we all had pretty good records all day but he lost to a top decked rip draw raptor that took his zatalpa off the <laughs> Off the oh battlefield, boy. the turn before we were going to get the win with it. Bad beats, brutal stuff. Bad, bad so, beats. So this, is, so Urborg Scavenger is just like slow flare, right? It's just like build your own soul flare type thing. Yeah. Well, the the really nice thing about Urborg Scavengers is you don't have to have a stock graveyard, right? If you just have one Zatalpa chilling in there, you play an Urborg Scavengers, eat the Zatalpa. You've now made a three three double strike indestructible vigilance okay. you know trample Could flying be a fast for, flare, then. Yeah. for three mana so that's not even that bad but the other half of the deck is like so it has a bunch of different things going on so you have that aspect you have soul flare which for those of you who don't remember that it's uh delve so it's four bb for a four four delve and then it has basically the scavenger text where it has all abilities of the cards that you exile with it so if you exile the zatalpa you get a four four with all those abilities so you have that angle as well and then on top of all of that as as dave mentioned you're still a neoform deck that has tassiger neoform for atraxa so you've like you've kind of combined all of these plans together in this you know this beautiful harmony uh maybe dave wouldn't call, wouldn't call, I wouldn't it, call beautiful it beautiful harmony but <laughs> yeah. I, I i think this, this looks really sweet I will acknowledge it looks sweet, Devin. And Mason, I don't think you listen. We haven't met you before. I've heard you're very nice and very tall, I believe, was the Twitter <laughs> very bit tall. about Mason Extremely for a while. Tall. But 
Yes, this is a sweet looking piece of deck building. It's just I will I will be very sad when I encounter this in the in the queues. <laughs> yeah, and then they just for for listeners for posterity's sake, the enablers here you have otherworldly gaze, grizzly salvage, uh, and then the uh, for founding the third path to kind of you know help the mill, and then for the interaction you have stubborn denial and botsies. So yeah, just like a, a really sweet deck. You know, I think all the pieces work pretty well together. I was planning on playing this today, but Magic Online downtime. You know, we'll go there at some point, but probably gonna play it tomorrow. Yeah, we call that a tease, Devin. After people listen, go back and look at the VOD of Devin playing yeah. this deck if it happens, because it's probably going to happen sometime this week. <laughs> yes. Right? I can guarantee you that, assuming that awesome. they're not down again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Here's I mean, you, they got to be able to open cards in Magic Online or else it's not going to, nothing's going to work if we can't get cards. So, all right. Well, I think that's it for Pioneer, right? Yeah, we, we talked much more about Pioneer than I even expected. I love it. <laughs> you mean we talked about Magic for more than we expected? Amazing. <laughs> every, every week. Every week. Amazing. All right. So that's it for Pioneer. Let's hop on over to Modern. Because there's a lot of Modern. We've been talking a lot. I think we can compress it to around the same amount of time. Let's try. As (laughs) we mentioned, Saturday's Modern Challenge on May 13th was extremely weird, I I think, in a lot of ways. And especially the top eight was was particularly kind of odd for the moment. So we're just going to hop in. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It was it was like a flashback to like six years ago in yeah. deck titles only, but we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. But I do want to talk about the number one thing that got me excited about Magic this weekend was the event winning list from X File, mm-hmm. also known as Felix Slew, was Sultai Traverse Shadow, and as people may know, may not know, <laughs> Devin, maybe you know, I have spent my time trying to get good at various shadows over the years. Grixis, Jund, Four Color. The last deck that I played before the pandemic hit was at a tournament with Stan where I was playing uh, Shadow with uh, Into the Story. And not oh Into the Story. Uh, not into, what's the green card? Into the Story is the blue card. Traverse? No, Traverse plus the free <laughs> green card from Eldrain. You know, the free the band... Green card from oh, once upon a trip. Oh, once upon, once a, upon time, a time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Once upon a time. That was an okay exactly. card. Oh man, I loved that deck for the like three weeks that I got to play it. So anyway, this is I think so. This is a Saltai Shadow list. We have not seen many Saltai lists over the years. It's weird. It was always sort of like a dream for shadow players, I think, but it never the parts never quite came together to make it work. It was always, why aren't you playing Jund? Why aren't you playing Grixis? And even when it was four color, it was like, well, it was it was really more Grixis with a splash of green than it was ever Saltai, I think, in a lot of ways. But this deck, this is a Traverse deck, Traverse the Illinvald deck. It also features a card called Invasion of Akoria. So we're going to go through the core a little bit, but these are the things that are going on that are making this deck super weird. So it begins with the core cards you would think of in a four-color Traverse Shadow deck. You've got Death Shadow and Tarmogoyf as your main threats. Then you have Street Wraith and Bauble in the deck, helping you enable Delirium for Traverse and to make Tarmogoyf bigger, all the things that that kind of package used to do. This is the first time in a while that I've seen a Death Shadow list do well with Street Wraith in it. You know, yeah, there was actual a time Street when, Wraith. Yeah, where we that was a staple, and then it's been it's been long gone. You know, on top of that, we have Dress Down as well because that also helps enable tr- Delirium. And then you have your your spell suite. You have your Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, Stubborn Denial, etc., etc., etc. But then you have the thing that we've talked about in the past: Traverse the Ulenwald and Invasion of Akoria as kind of two cards that help you search up your threats and also do some other stuff. 
I think we all know what Traverse does. Get a land. If you have Delirium, go get a creature. Invasion of Macoria. Devin, it sounded like you wanted to read it. Do you want to read it? Did you have something I would, to say? I would love to read it. Well, so <laughs> let's go ahead and pull it up here. So Invasion of oh, Macoria. head sideways. Green, green. Yeah, I know. A little bit of that. Green, green X. Battle Siege. When Invasion of Macoria enters the battlefield, search your library and or graveyard. Important native line of text. For a non-human creature card with mana value X less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search shuffle and then it has what? I think it has Six defense is it six? It's got six defense. Six defense. I always forget that number. And then it flips into Zalortha Apex of Icoria, which is an eight-eight legendary creature dinosaur with reach. Don't forget about sneaky reach. And then for Mm -hmm. each non-human creature you control, you may have that creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. Sweet. So this one is particularly sick because not only do you get like the front side, which finds you all of your threats, the backside is actually kind of sicko when you combine it with shadow and yes. uh, dress down. So you can go like dress down yes. to make a 13 and then yes. they're taking 13 regardless. It's just like, it gives you these like TBR kind of vibes. Yeah. Although I think if you play with dress down, doesn't, doesn't zil- oh, you're right. yeah, loses it ability too, right? Okay, my bad. So you can't quite go for that wombo combo, but that's exactly what this the backside of this card is, is that it is kind of TBR vibes. So in addition to dress down, like you said, you do get to play dress down like team or battle rage sometimes where it makes your death shadow into a 13-13. You don't want to do it when your Tarmogoyfs are out, of course, but when your <laughs> death shadows are out, that's, that's pretty good. Now on the flip side, um, then if you manage to flip over Zilortha, you also can do that similar thing where your Death Shadow attacks, your Tarmogoyf attacks, and it doesn't matter if they're blocked. It doesn't matter if they chump block it. They don't have to have Trample to make it work. They don't have to have Double Strike. You do get that damage either way, and that's generally enough to close out a game, I would think, in Modern in particular right now. It's you know it's not too hard to get there. But Dave, six defense, how are we getting that thing flipped as soon as possible? Well, that's the amazing thing about this deck. I counted five at least really cool things that you can do with Invasion of Aquaria on here. The first thing, I'm just going to go through this list, and they go by increasing level of excitement for me. So, <laughs> so buckle up. Uh, first, this is a battle. So it enables Delirium and your Tarmogoyf as well. Surprise, we can now have, what, seven, eight Tarmogoyfs or eight, nine Tarmogoyfs? Where are we at right now the Tarmogoyf ticker? Eight, nine, I guess. Nine, right? Because- nine, eight. No, they still count. They still count. Uh, uh, which the the old one? I forget. Tribal. I already forgot. Tribal. Yeah, they Tribal. still count it. Yep. It's yep. weird because it doesn't say it on Atraxa, but it still counts for card types. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we could get there. So you can make a really big Tarmogoyf thanks to Battle being in this deck too. You can maybe whatever. You can maybe get your Traverse going on with a different count to Delirium. That's a small thing. The second thing that's super interesting, I think, is this is where we get into the spicy one ofs that are in this deck that I think are really there to exploit how cool of a card Invasion of Ikoria is. One is, there's a one of Dryad Arbor in this deck. So if you're in trouble and you would like to cast Invasion of Ikoria for green green, you can go and get a land and put it into play. Uh-huh. Or put one in from your graveyard. That's pretty nice, right? Not don't amazing, tell, but that's Don't nice. tell Spike about the Dryad Arbor, though. He hates that. He does Can't hate that Spike. move. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. So let's talk about something that I think he'll approve of more. And that's the third thing on my list, which is there's a one of Grist in this list that you can mm-hmm. search up with this if you want. You can also search up Grist with Traverse the Ulenwald, which I don't know if yeah. anybody's ever quite thought about that before, but mm-hmm. it's pretty sweet to be able to go and get either you want a token for some reason, or more likely you want Grist's minus ability to be able to uh, kill something, which is super, super handy. And then, of course, the Wombo combo Dev- that Devin was hinting to earlier is... Cast Invasion of Ikoria for four, 
go and get Vampire Hex Mage, sacrifice Vampire Hex Mage, remove all the counters from Invasion of Aquaria, immediately flip over and have your giant dinosaur on the back. So you can do a four mana eight eights that has this that has reach and this wild super trample ability right there and just tutor it up from a single card, which I think is really interesting deck building and a nice way to bring back a card that I think people were looking at with battles, but also like a card that's just been hovering around in modern for a while without a place to do something cool. And the sick part about that is you can already have a Death Shadow or a Tarmogoyf in play. So if you mm-hmm. curve out and you have like if you have you you do that, you go like, you know, shadow on three or goif on two, shadow on three, and then you just do this on four, you have two creatures in play that may or may not even just present lethal regardless if they have blockers. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's wild. This is beautiful deck building. It really to is. To me, to me, this is beautiful, Felix. If you're out there. <laughs> Bravo. I mean, this this feels like it does the things that Death Shadow decks do well, which is both present aggression and grindiness. Because like Devin was focusing on earlier, Invasion of Akoria can get stuff back out of your graveyard as well. So like, yeah. you, know, you top deck an Invasion of Akoria, and you can be off to the races pretty efficiently if you don't have some kind of board state. If you do have a board state, you're likely putting yourself into a really strong position. The, you have flexibility in the grist, in the dryad arbor, you know, in the the threats you want to present. Like and like Devin was saying before, is you know, dress down can and you were saying, Dave, is dress dress down can be awesome for Death Shadow, can be bad for Tarmogoyf, can be great for you know killing a random construct or stopping the opponent, you know, the, the things that dress down does really well. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of decks that if they're in a position to not get completely hosed out of the metagame that, you know, historically Death Shadow has done so well. And I think we're at a time right now, perhaps just because of Invasion of Ikoria, that it can do well again. And clearly it did here. Well, here's the thing that I like the best about this in some ways is, you know, I, I was playing Grixis Death Shadow not, you know, I, a year ago or so. When we went to Dallas, I was playing that deck. And like, it's fine in the meta, but the best version of Grixis has Ragavan and has death right shaman in it and it's like murktide is really just or sorry i always call that card dragon's rage channel channel or instead of death right shaman we wish wish it had death right shaman in it i've done that so many times over the years all right anyway dragon's rage channeler that's those are the best cards that are in 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 the deck with it and murktide is just probably a better shell for those cards anyway but what this does which is like a real corner case is that this eases up on your reliance on one drops to fuel your plan so you don't die to something that kills a bunch of one drops like a blast zone or an engineered explosives it also you have some reliance on the graveyard but it's not terrible if traverse and tarmogoyf don't go off because you don't have delirium basically because death shadow is okay and invasion of Aquaria is okay in that space so i feel like it's a little less reliance on like any particular zone of hate right off the bat. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a zillion matchups that are bad for a deck like this. I'd have to think about it a little bit, but it doesn't have that kind of like super clear uh, hate that kind of works against Death Shadow sometimes. Yeah, I just thought of something too. Random shower thought. I don't want to give you guys nightmares, but can you imagine if Luris was legal in this deck and you got to oh, Luris loop with Hex Mage Ikoria <laughs> and just like do that over and over yeah. again? Oh, God. I, I can only dream. Rest in, rest in peace, Lyris. You'll sorely be missed. Exactly. Still sorely missed. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> we already did that for Lyris like many, many times. All right. So that was the one of the most interesting headlines. But 
There was something else super wild about this challenge, and that is that this top eight had three hardened scales lists in it. Three of them. Yeah. Count them. Top eight. That's a lot. Three. Three. Top eight. And it's all thanks to, we believe, friend of the show, Aspiring Spike, right? Who Who's was 7 0 in this list going into the top eights. But you guys told me that Evert has been playing modern green scales a good amount lately in modern. And that might've been what led him to yeah. play it in this challenge. And also for a bunch of other people to pick it up too. Yeah. I saw him. I think he played in like, maybe this, is there a super challenge last weekend or something Showcase. like that? Showcase challenge. That's what I meant. Uh, and I remember he had a VOD up of that recently. I think he went like five, three with it, but the deck, you know, looked pretty strong and you know, anything that, that, Spike plays does, you know, he does impact the meta. And I think we are finally seeing people start respecting this deck again and also respecting Ozolith the Shattered Spire. That's right. Yeah, let me read Ozolith the Shattered Spire to you. So it's a generic and a green for a legendary artifact that says if one or more plus one plus one counters will be put on an artifact or creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it instead. And then it has an activated ability of a generic, a green, and tap to put a plus one plus one counter on target artifact or creature you control, activate only as a sorcery. And then it also has cycling too, as if they couldn't fit enough text right. on this card. <laughs> so this card is just a redundant hardened scales. Yeah. But, 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 but. artifact or creature you control. Mm-hmm. So it makes the Ozolith itself a ton better. So it's just like, you know, it, it costs more than both the Ozolith and Hardened Scales, but it gives you a little bit more and, you know, offers flexibility, offers a mana sink. Yeah, the, the really nice thing about the Shattered Spire, too, is it kind of gets the party started by itself, right? If you're kind of out of right. gas, you just you, you, you put that thing with the scales in play. You just put, you know, three, four counters on something and it just kind of like it gets the gets the party started. Also, obviously, absurd with like Ravager and stuff, Ballista. Yeah, the, the scales deck is great. Absolutely great. Yeah, hasn't I mean, gotten any easier to play, is my understanding. No, <laughs> you know, no I mean, well, speak- that's the thing. Is like, yeah, it's just it's it's a t- it's a tough deck, and I think that's one reason that people are going to see some success with it right now too. Right? Is like, you know, if I was facing this down, I'd be like, crap, I don't remember how to do anything with this. Like, am I going to really be looking at all these cards and trying to like visualize the same lines my experienced opponent is? It's like at the LGS, probably not. I'm just going to F6, be like, yeah, you do you, my friend. I'm just going to try to do my thing and you do your thing. And like, there was a yeah, funny comment I saw. <laughs> yeah, my dead. I saw this funny comment on Reddit by this person named username Rob. And they were like, I was on Team of Rhinos this weekend. I got wrecked by scales. It's never shown up on my LGS and I've never played against it. Never learned any lines of play. It was like studying science for your history final. I did not <laughs> understand the assignment. And it's like, yeah, that's me. I don't know. You tell me what you're doing, my friend. The other, the other funny thing about scales is I remember you, you mentioned that Spike was streaming a lot of this deck and you could, you know, we, the, the classic chat lethal where everybody in chat is like, oh, you have lethal this turn. And then, you know, 10, 10 seconds later, everybody's like, oh no, whoops, I did the math wrong. So yeah, this is a really good <laughs> deck if you're, uh, if you're looking to stream some and, and get some, get some good content that way. Yeah. I feel like this is the deck that everyone's like trying to find the line as fast as possible to like help help streamer out but like you know it's it, it just takes time you got to sit there count some things and i feel like it you know really rewards play experience and like i don't think a lot of people have that right now unless they're dedicated scales people someone called gall let's get gall back on <laughs> gall, the line gall slash and you're back got first guest on the dive down yama killer talking about scales oh uh, it's still here four years later yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Four three years of these. later. Just a reminder, three of these in the, in the top eight. Yes. Okay, number three. This is a smaller one. This is a little smaller story. But I thought this was really funny and interesting and weird. And that is that there were two creativity decks in the top eight. One was a 4C build without blue running without Lingering blue. Souls. <laughs> friends. It was running Lingering Souls. So it was basically a Mardu kind of deck that was also playing uh, Renin 6, of course, because Renin 6 is incredibly good in this deck in creativity. But yes, running a four of Lingering Souls, I guess to make tokens or just to grind people out like it's, you know, 2013. Yeah, I but mean, turn, I thought this was a really cool piece of deck building. Turn three Lingering Souls, turn four creativity, just fire it up. The the other funny thing about this top eight is you talk about, you know, Sultai Shadow in first place. And then we also got Lingering Souls in the top eight. Like, wait, is this from mm-hmm. 2016? Like, did I time travel? What's going on here? <laughs> and hardened scales, too. Yeah, scales, <laughs> Extra too. time traveling there. Yeah. Yeah, I love this list from Other White Stuff is the name of the the player who had it. It's got your Bitter Reunion package, Fable of the Mirror Breaker as a four of, which always warms my heart to see as a four of in modern. Renin 6, Archon of Cruelty. You know, this has a, it doesn't, oh, it has some persist plan too. So it's got three persists. So it's that combination of kind of Bitter Reunion, put it in the graveyard, get it with creativity, get it back, like all the stuff that that kind of people with this kind of vibe do. But the Lingering Souls is just an interesting move to, you know, get tokens faster, get value off of the discard trigger from Fable, be able to grind. I I don't know how you, you know, I don't think the shell is really equipped to try to win a game with a bunch of Lingering Souls tokens, but maybe, just maybe, you get there sometimes. Dwarves and ghosts, just like in uh, Lord (laughs) of the Rings. Am I right? Yeah, I'm wondering if it's like, sort of maybe a plan against the scam decks where it's, you know, they're trying to grind and stuff like that. But if, you know, the scam deck has Dothy Voidwalker, which we may or may not get to a scam list at some point that may or may not have Dothy Voidwalker, but mm-hmm. is, you know, if they have it, it's kind of awkward because you don't get the value in the flashback, but I, this list looks pretty clean. I like it a lot. Yeah. Really cool. We're going straight to the list without Dothy Voidwalker after this, because the pilot of that list, Devin, hmm. the pilot of that list to, to add to the people in this top eight, <laughs> Willie Adel Who's made this guy? top eight as well. Haven't heard that name too, too much lately. Not going to talk Since about 2016? it in depth. <laughs> yes, exactly. More 2016 vibes. Willie Adel was playing Scam, as you mentioned. And in place of Voidwalker, Willie was playing four Blood Tithe Harvesters in Modern. Blood Tithe Harvester wow. making wow. its way from Rakdos Sack in Pioneer to Modern. Why? Did he How? accidentally Why? register with his Pioneer deck in the Modern <laughs> Challenge and just beat everybody with it? I, I don't think so. No. He still had his Elementals, so I don't okay. think he... I, I think he was okay. He still had his Evoke Elementals. I yeah, don't this know. This was play 16 other Horizons-only creatures, so... Exactly. I think oh, just, no. just maybe a deck regger. I figured it out. So he he was he, there's a limit to how many Horizons cards you can put in your deck because Willie's kind of like the classic okay. boomer like like us, you know, classic boomer mindset. Mm-hmm. So maybe he has like this is a cap on how many Horizons cards I can play, and because Voidwalkers from Horizons, he's like, well, this one's on the chopping block. Maybe that's what it is. Yep, a yeah, quarter of the deck only. So honestly, this is the only thing I could think of. And tell me what you all think about this. So one is maybe a blood token isn't the worst thing in the world in a deck that has some dead cards in the mid game. If you draw a feign death at the wrong time, if you draw the the other one, that's name I forget at the wrong time, maybe it's nice to discard it and draw a card with it. The other thing is if you have an 
a blood tithe guy out blood tithe what is it again harvester Harvester. i always forget that name blood tithe harvester and you have a feigned death you can kill two a two two with it two two twos with it right because or a two two and a four four with it i guess because you can sacrifice the harvester then you can play feigned you can play feigned death on it sacrifice it bring it back get another blood token and then be ready to to kill another creature with your blood tithe harvester you can actually kill two four fours with this because what happens okay. is you you feign death the harvester and then you sacrifice the harvester. The ability of the harvester goes in the stack, but the <sighs> feign death goes in the stack first. So you actually get the harvester back, which just gets you the second blood token, and then the ability resolves. So you can actually kill an X4, and then on the following turn, you have a harvester with two blood to also kill another X4. So that's the, and I've known this because I've actually been playing some like Blood Scythe Harvester, Feign Death, deck type decks in Pioneer, messing around with that. So that's how I knew that. That's how I, I realized yeah. that interaction. Man, the One stack thing, is so cool. It is, yeah. One thing I was thinking is that maybe you would Harvester over Dothy Voidwalker to make your mana constraints a little bit better if you have main deck Blood Moon. But then looking at Willie's list in particular, <laughs> no, the no Blood Moons are in the sideboard. So yeah, it's it's really weird. Maybe you just figured that you want a little bit more removal. I guess the other upside is that Harvester pitches to Fury and Grief. So maybe the two drops are close enough on power level that you'd rather just have the gold card that pitches to both. This, these are all great little corner cases that I think make sense for why you would try it. I do think the big one is wanting extra creature removal for some reason. Like that's, that's what I kind of intuited from the choice here. I mean, maybe it's just like you said, maybe they were too expensive or they're boring or something like that. You know, we're right at that 592 tickets. Maybe, maybe somebody has a mana traders limit and Douthy Voidwalker took you over it. And this was just a try, <laughs> but I can, I can see both of those things as being why it pitches to either elemental and it um it lets you do a lot of extra creature removal if you want to it's very slow for modern i would think but you know what four, i didn't top eight a challenge four terminates kind of a lot huh is that is that stock nowadays i feel like that's a lot no it, yeah i he, think it's a lot he yeah. shaved on the fatal push and okay. yeah. is focusing more he like, he has like one more bolt and one or two more terminates than typical no fatal push main yeah yeah, Adel's gonna Adel. He's got to play the old, the old school Fatal Push and Terminate. <laughs> to cool list those, and props to Willie Adel for being being there. What else um, do you okay. notice in this in this top thirty two, Dave? Anything cool? Yes. So there are a couple of things. So we've talked about a couple of new cards, and I have a few other new cards to talk about here in the top uh, thirty two, including one that we already talked about in Copper Coat Vanguard. But I'm going to start with Young Dingo and what Young Dingo is up to lately. Young Dingo, well-known player, one of the people who popularized Scam in a lot of ways, I would say. Young Dingo has been trying a new four-color Omnath build with three Nissa Resurgent Animist. Oh, yeah. And I will baby. say, Young Dingo came in third on in Friday's challenge, the 512 challenge with this list, and came in 14th in this challenge with this list. I mean, it's the control style shell, right? So it's your Omnath, a couple of Elish Norns, a couple of Fury, four Solitude, Eldamri's Call, all the Planeswalkers, all the Leyline Buying, all the pl- Prismatic Endings. It's it's that style of deck. It's not the super elemental heavy version of it, but it's enough elementals that uh, Nissa can help you search up cards when you get that double landfall trigger. And so it just seems like maybe the Lotus Cobra plus go get a card effect with Fetchlands is exactly what this shell 
fits in the shell anyway. I'm not so sure if it's exactly what it needed, but it fits in the shell to be able to do the two things that this deck likes to do, and that is ramp, get the mana it needs, and get extra cards. Yeah, it, it's kind of tempting to be like, yeah, you play this in like the elemental heavy version, but you can also just play it in, because it's random, what you're getting off the top, why not just play the really good elementals like Omnath and Fury and Solitude? Yeah. Yeah, Nissa seems particularly powerful. Just the natural curve of, you know, play it on three, turn four, play a fetch land, crack it. You have mana to play Omnath, and you can, like, play the Omnath. You can get a you can hit a Fury or a Solitude off of the Nissa trigger. Just, like, really, you know, t- lots of good value there. Uh, the body's nice because it blocks Ragavan, doesn't that a red and six. So, yeah, I mean, it, it potentially is here to stay. I know that Dingo really liked the card, so potentially pretty good. Yep, sweet. Yep, I think it's pretty good. A couple other things really quickly before we get into the last main chapter of this. In 15th place, we had a player named... 15th place, we had a player named MTG Lucas on a green-white death and taxes list. The thing that was interesting to me about this is that it has Malira from, from Phyrexia All Will Be One in it, but it also has four Deep Root Wayfinder, which is mm-hmm. from... Is that from March? That's from March, March. of the Machine. Yeah, yeah not from, from Aftermath. But it's a card that has Explorer, or at least a version of Explorer. And it is, really quickly, I'll read it. It's a 2-3 for a colorless and a green. For whenever Deep Root Wayfinder deals combat damage to a player or battle, surveil one. Then you may return a land card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So it does a surveil, which is pretty cool that... that I mean, it seems like it's good rates, and then you just be able to get extra cards, maybe ramp a little bit, and kind of go from there in your kind of normal taxes shell. I thought it was interesting to see. 19th place, there was a Bant. Real quick on the, the Deep Root Wayfinder, the really cool thing about that is you can get back Ghost Quarter. So in combination with Lean and Arbiter, you can kind of uh, re-Ghost Quarter people. So that's kind of sick. There you go. That's that's the big unlock. So you can get back Ghost Quarter. You can also get back... I'm, I'm going to build off what you said, Devin. You can also get back Horizon Canopy if you'd like to and draw extra cards off of it. Or Boseju if you want to Boseju extra stuff. So it's maybe it's doing like a little bit of a light red and six kind of vibe here. Oh, because there's four Besejus. That makes a lot of sense. You can like you can aggressively Besejus and then get it back with Wayfinder. That's really cool. Yep. So that's some interesting stuff building here. You know, Taxes is a... Uh, deck list or a deck style that I think a lot of people would love to see be good in modern, you know, we'll see. I don't know if this is enough get, to get it there. And death and taxes is like the ultimate specialist deck, but it's a cool, cool list to see 19th place. We had a band control list by someone named clockwork Dean. The thing I wanted to talk about this list is a it's band control. that got a five, <laughs> two wild, but it has three of a card from aftermath called cosmic rebirth, man. I mean, I almost wanted to talk about this in our episode last week, but it's just like, this does not seem good enough, but clearly if you have enough time, anything is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's what one green, white instant, choose target permanent card in your graveyard. If it has mana value three or less, you may put it onto the battlefield. If you don't put it onto the battlefield, put it into your hand, you gain three life. So it sounds like it has to be targeting something with mana value three or less, and it's not the case. If it's mana value four or more, it goes into your hand, and you always right. gain the three life. So right. it's just like a little like recursion effect, but you know, putting something on the battlefield, no slouch there. 
Yeah, the really sick thing with Cosmic Rebirth, and uh, you know, this is a Riot Boys podcast, so I don't want to make you guys feel too sad. But uh, I watched somebody cast a Crashing Footfall or a Shredless Agent, and in response to the Cascade Trigger, their opponent Cosmic Rebirth at the Fairy back into play. No, and uh, <laughs> yeah. so. not like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an well, instant speed. Oh, it's brutal. An instant speed, yeah. Yeah, that is sort of what I was imagining, is that you're targeting Teferi with this, like, an annoying oh, yeah. amount of time at instant speed. That's the main target. Even yeah. Narsec, can you, like, imagine your opponent goes to, like, I don't know, like, J- maybe not Jace Brainstorm, but they cast, like, some kind of card draw spell, and you just instant right. speed put the Narset into play? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can definitely imagine it. Am I going to try this deck, <laughs> Devin? I am not. <laughs> But I love it, and for the people who like to play control, I say good on you. It's got days uh, on doing too, obviously with the Narsets. Oh yeah, <laughs> gotta love it. that. You know, the thing, one of the things that blew my mind the most about Magic over the last few years is that that combo is good enough for Legacy, but not good enough for Modern. It was very, it's weird, very interesting. It? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, we have a Niv Mizzet list as we talked about. Shane has another one to talk about later, so I'm not going to mention too much more about that. We'll we'll go move along. Last thing I want to talk about in the context of this challenge is an Azorius humans list by Big Dan in Big Dan. in in twenty fourth place that features four copper coat vanguard. So this is only a four three list out of the challenge because it's it's kind of low in the uh, results, but still, you know, congrats to Big Dan for getting there. This is a list that has Unsettled Mariner, Reflector Mage, Adeline, Thalia, Thalia's Lieutenant, Coppercoat Vanguard, Meddling Mage, Esper Sentinel, Champion of the Parish. It looks, you know, it's like a refined version of the humans list that we used to be so, you know, familiar with in past years. It doesn't have any ramp anymore. It doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. It's just blue and white cards. But this was only one of three different decks that I saw Coppercoat Vanguard in in modern as well. So I saw, in addition to this list, I saw a 5-0 from a player named Genesequa, and the second and a second list in a 3-1 prelim by Parrotlets. And these were both lists that were much more close to the Hank the Obese mono white list that were mm-hmm. floating around over the last couple of months that were just like, we're going to use Shining Shoal, we're going to use Emiria to be able to have extra white cards to pitch to Solitude. And so I think Copper Coat, I wanted to bring this up just in the sense that, you know, Devin was really high on Copper Coat Vanguard in Pioneer. I think that people are really going for it in modern as well in a lot of different ways because it's good against fury and a number of different things as well. But, you know, it kind of means that you have to, if you're going to fury someone's small creature deck, you have to put your first fury all into copper coat Vanguard, and then you'll get a chance to do the, the second part of it. And sometimes you just don't have time to do that or you don't have the cards to be able to pitch. And so it was pretty interesting to see that pop up as well. Yeah. There's like, like you said, to, Public enemy number one is Fury. So any any card that kind of gets the helps you a little bit mitigate the Fury a little bit. Like even this list that we were talking, the Azorius one, the fact that you have Mariner and Vanguard, like you have a lot of ways, a lot of insulation against Fury. So yeah, Vanguard is here to stay. That card's really good. And it does make a lot of sense like in the Hank the Beast list too, because they're playing, you know, the, the same one drop Sentinel and Champion of the Parish, but then they're, you know, trying to curve up a little bit. And then you kind of have like the Shoals and the Vanguards to insulate you against Fury. So it's like you have this humans deck that just almost doesn't even care about fury anymore yeah i don't think that's true in practice for what it's worth well. but we'll see i want to try it <laughs> like i i I've, i played the hank the, the obese list i do think that copper coat vanguard for example you know i know that they're still playing like 
Luminarch aspirant in those lists, even the ones from this weekend from from Parrot Lead and Genesis Qua. Like I I always felt like that was a card that wasn't quite good enough for modern. Looks like actually Parrotlet does not have Luminarch Ascent or Luminarch Aspirant in it. So I think that makes a little bit more sense. They're also trying things like Anointed Peacekeeper to add extra taxing effects to things. So if you can play Anointed Peacekeeper and say keep your Furies in your hands, it's gonna cost extra to be able to play them. Like that's another thing that you can do. So I think that there's um there's a lot of different things going on here that that are pretty interesting with humans and modern right now. It's tax season, baby. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It sure is. This is sweet. Yeah, this is real sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot from the Saturday challenge. I think yes. Sunday Sunday was less interesting, but I did go down the rabbit hole trying to see what's going on in the Sunday's challenge. We're not going to go through all of this hardly at all, of course, but there's some novel stuff. Uh, I will quickly note we saw zero hardened scales in the entire top 32 Come after, on. after three in the top eight of Saturday. And also, the, the, the winner of this was Wang Sai on Burn. With two main deck roiling vortex, Stan was right yet again. <laughs> main deck roiling vortex is just where we're at in modern. No eidolons main at all, uh, and this is what Burn's going to have to do if it's going to try to win a tournament now and then. So good on Wang Sai for, for for changing things up a little bit. I think that's kind of a, been a, a little bit of a trend recently, but we haven't really had much reason to talk about Burn because it's not really doing much. But we see it here. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna have to edit that part out, by the way, because we can't tell Stan he was right. Uh, he was right about the copper coat because I was gonna skip over it, and he put it in the notes. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Uh, I wouldn't have let you skip over that card if I had been here I for mean, what it's worth. That was yeah. like one of four cards on my list for aftermath. I put in the other two two mana humans, but not that two mana human. Yeah, third. Pl- I did want to point out third place racer man on rhinos. The Merktide regent and mystical dispute build is basically stock. Yep. And there were there were three rhinos in the top eight alone. All had some some slight iteration on kind of like the new build of uh, the new stock build of rhinos with like the mystical disputes of some number. And yeah, sweet, cool. I'm, I love seeing three rhinos in the top eight replacing all of those hardened scales. I did notice Bob Forty Nine's back running Belcher in fourth place, and Bob had two reckless handling in the main That's deck. A spicy one, which is like. Man, I, I just I, I look at this and I'm like, really? But it's it's so it's a one in a rent sorcery. You search your library for an artifact, reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle, then discard a card at random. If an artifact card was discarded this way, it deals two damage to each opponent. So Boom. yeah, I guess it's just a way of tutoring up uh your your artifacts when needed, I guess, right? The goblin charbelger? Yeah, I mean, you know, who doesn't love a good gamble? I, I've cast <laughs> my fair share of the card gamble in Legacy. You know, this one costs two mana, but if you ever spend two mana and deal your opponent two damage, you probably lost the game. So, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it is what it is. You just gotta you gotta know when to when you're running good. Yeah, and uh, when when the time is right, you just fire it off and and pray. So, I mean, it's probably one out of seven, right? Like it's um, it's probably yeah, never worse odds than one out of seven, right? Yeah. So. Well, sometimes you have to like generate ma- like if you like for example you can't you need to like cast this and still have two mana floating you know so you mm-hmm. won't be able to like if you have two lands and two rituals say you have to go ritual ritual then this with two floating or something like that you know right. what, you know what I'm saying so yeah not always but it, it so maybe it's like in the situation where you're just casting this and then passing and you you know that maybe that could come up but it's a cool card for sure I like it a lot yeah it's a perfect card for this style of deck right oh yeah. The a, car, a deck I did want to talk about though is eleventh place out of the out of the top eight, but we have Cherry X Man on what 
I'm going to car- call uh, Yargle's Vengeance, which is just like this Asmo Gorio's Vengeance deck that has four Kragenwick Cremator and four Yargle and Multani. So Kragenwick Cremator, if you're not in the, the Cremator crew, uh, it's two red red for a 5-4 giant shaman. And when it ETBs, you discard a card at random. If you discard a creature card this way, Cremator deals damage equal to that card's power to target player or planeswalker if you need to take 18 tokens off your, you know, 18 counters off your opponent's planeswalker. <laughs> uh, and Yargle and Mitanni is three black, black, green. It's a legendary frog spirit elemental, 18 You don't need That's to read it. this card, That's Shane. It. We all know Yargle and Mitanni. Yeah. No, no, you. There's a mistake. You forgot to put the flavor text in the in the show notes. Okay, <laughs> do we have to read the flavor text to the listeners? I don't even remember no, what we it is. Just, we're we're good, David. Unless you just want to go blah. blah. Anyway, the um. So yeah, you know what you do with this. You you can dome your opponent for eighteen if you set it up correctly. Where you have Yargle Matani in hand. If you have Emrakul in hand, you can do a cool fifteen. You can just Gorio's Vengeance this back with haste if you want. I am curious to know how many wins Cherry X-Man got by Gorio's Vengeance and Yargle and Multani. <laughs> I, w- I want to believe that the number was less than or more than zero, but, you know. I mean, Yargle has no abilities. It has no trample. <laughs> it just has... It just, says, <laughs> it just, it just glue to your opponent, you know? It's beautiful. How, how are we... Are we minimizing the randomness somehow through this deck? To, so that we know that we're discarding I mean, Yargle and Multani. I don't a, see any cards that help with that. Am I wrong? Cookbook. I mean, there's a lot of ways to discard stuff. Like you can dump got, your hand in cookbook. Yeah. Not maybe one at a time, but you could like thought tease yourself. You could yes, dump your exactly. hand in cookbook. Right. So you okay. could do some cool stuff that way that to like, you know, make the, the cremator. I mean, it is kind of awkward that you can't Gorios the cremator. So you kind of just, you have to get the four mana. Yeah. But yeah, this deck's super cool. Like the fact that it has the cremator Yargle angle, it has Gorios Emrakul angle. There's a lot of cool stuff. It has profane tutor to kind of tie the room together. It's an Asmo deck. A lot of cool stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's neat. I'm sure I would be terrible at it, but it's definitely neat. The, the only other thing I really noticed here was a 32nd place Yamada on 80 card bring to light for no good reason. Uh, and again, this <laughs> this deck is playing Niv-Mizzet Supreme. Well, makes total sense in this style of deck, like, you know, a multicolor bring to light deck, go for it. But yeah, I mean, definitely not as interesting or as cool, but there's still some new stuff happening. People, you know, winning in challenges with, with a, you know, Yargle's Vengeance, so... For the for the listeners at home, Shane had asked me what you know what the reasoning for playing eighty cards was, and I just the only my, my only response was cloud flex. At this point, yeah, just flexing. I, I can't think of anything else either. Like what 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 are we doing at this point? Yeah. So yeah, that's what's going on. I mean, I I wish we I was I wish I was able to get some more more games in the Magic Online, but we had some technical difficulties. But thankfully, <laughs> enough other people got some games in that that we didn't. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen when we have more access to the Aftermath cards in the coming like week. And I, I think we might see even more impact. Like I'm looking forward to, you know, just testing out some of these decks myself, maybe some Sleeve Believe Heave style stuff, or just continuing to, you know, give people updates on what the heck's going on in the meta. 
Yeah, it was a weird week because, you know, the, the whole set release, I don't, I don't know if you, if you want to get into this, but the whole set release was kind of just a mess where it was released yeah. a day early on Arena and then every, they felt bad. So they released it a day early on Magic Online. Nobody had cards. You couldn't even get them from GoatBots. Manitrader still doesn't have them. It's just like it feels like this whole set release has just been a giant mess. Well, not to mention the fact that a lot of people are just apparently not buying this set in paper mm. either. So it's uh, it might be a mess on a bunch of levels that aren't just related to the digital <laughs> the digital side of Magic too. But you know this tiny set thing experiments. I don't know. I don't know, team. We'll see if we come back to it. Yeah, I'm concerned because I'm, I wonder how long in advance they have to get all of their ducks in a row. So, like, are we going to see other sort of like aftermathy style things that pop up, and we're going to deal with those again too? I'm sure there's probably one or two in, in the works. Devin, what are you most excited to get into before we get out of here this week? So, you are what's next up on your list? Well, I still have the decks rented from today that I didn't get to play. Okay. So uh, I'm going to finish up my league with, I actually, I think I had mentioned this to you earlier. I, well, I, I'm, I want to try Calyx in the Enigmatic deck. So I, I actually right. played three matches with that. And then I'm going to play Copper Coat in Mono White and Black White. And then I'm also going to try the Urborg Scavenger deck tomorrow. Awesome. Okay, look, if Calyx is actually good, then that's another point for Stan. And I'm not sure I can handle his score being run up this good. Okay. Never well. mind. We'll cancel that. I'm not playing it tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm actually fascinated to see if it's going to do well or even and if Shane, it does. Okay. Even okay. Shane, where are you at after this? What do you want to play? I, I mean, I, like I said, I got the three obs and I just want to, I want to play some more. Like one, I still do want to get good or like get adequate at like understanding the lines and strategies of sacrifice decks more. And the only way I'm going to do that is by playing it more. And so, you know, I can might as well just keep experimenting with Ob, uh, see how I feel about it. I don't think a lot of people have really a ton of reps with it yet. So I'll be one of those people out there giving it a go. All right. And for me, in case this shouldn't surprise anybody, but I will definitely be playing Invasion of Akoria. Sweet. Doing some shadow stuff. I cannot wait to up. hear I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that, Dave. It seems like such a Dave deck. Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I now that you mentioned it, I might actually get back into I might have to dabble a little bit into modern <gasps> that Yargle the Yargle deck. That that oh, deck man. is kind of a banger. That'll it be is. that'll be really good for stream. That's a lot of stream equity. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> stream equity next week we're going to talk about how to maximize your stream equity with devin bring it on and give us give us some tips speaking of devin uh where can people find your daily content creations twitch.tv slash d zero zero m w a k e and it's the same moniker on twitter and youtube as well awesome will we we will be watching what's going on with your modern maybe playing next week but that wraps up this week's show if you haven't subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get podcasts because then you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out and if you want to leave us a review on apple podcasts uh, or a rating or something like that please feel free if you want to give a shoot a question our way if you want to reach out to us you can tweet us at the dive down or email the dive down at gmail.com if you want to support us you can join the patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down or check out our merch store at the divedown.com slash store. Of course, if you rent cards on Magic Online or you just want to rent cards on Magic Online, you can sign up at manatraders.com using the code the dive down 2023 gets you 10% off your first two months. 
And of course, our friends over at Barrister and Man, you can use code the Dive Down 2023 as well for 15% off your first order there. And Nerd Rage Gaming gives all of our listeners 8% off their order with the code Dive8. Thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,